What's up, guys? Thank you for joining me and welcome to the show. In this episode, I sit down with one of my favorite people in the world, Tyler Wall, coach and mind advisor at Contrast by Design and the host of the podcast, The School of Atypical Insights. Tyler has been one of the biggest influences in me, and I joke that anyone who is a fan of me must be a fan of Tyler's, given how much of an impact he's made on me. Tyler's one of the most introspective and detailed coaches, going way deep below the surface to help others develop clarity, release those mental locks, and accelerate personal growth. So in this episode, we dove deep into the importance of shadow work and understanding our dark side in order to grow into the full potential and strength. Every time I connect with Tyler, I learn so much, and this conversation was no different, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. All right, we'll get right to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll catch you on the inside. All right, let's solve the world's problems here, Tyler. What's up, man? How are you? I'm doing awesome, brother. Thanks for having me on today. It's so good to see you. I love you to death, man. I, like, I really appreciate you doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Love you too, man. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, we're going to get into the weeds on some stuff here, I think. So, uh, I mean, really just to, I guess, set up this conversation, me and you have had some of the deepest conversations that I've had over the time that we've known each other really over the last year. And like I said, there's a lot of, there's a lot of great stuff to the strength side, the nutrition side of strength, and those things are really important, but the mental side of strength and connecting that with the other areas you're one of those guys that have gone deeper than anybody else I've ever talked to. And so if anybody really is a fan of me, they're a fan of you because I've just learned so much from you over really the last year on just the connection and the the introspective side of it. And we're going to get into it. So first off again, just thanks so much for everything that you do. And uh, so, and congratulations on the new podcast as well, the school of atypical insights, which fucking awesome name right off the bat. So um, yeah, dude, we'll, uh, we'll get right into it. Sound good? Cool. Love it. Awesome. So um, when I was on your show, we talked a lot about the, you actually, you asked me a question right off the bat. The first question. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you remember it. You remember that question? I do. Yeah. And who what was that question? Who are you? And I said, I don't know. I'm a lot of things. And I've actually been thinking about that question since we were on it. And I think it's such an interesting thing because we, we talk a lot about labeling ourselves and identifying ourselves as one particular thing when in reality, we're so many different things. And when you can combine those together, that's when you really see the fulfillment. So to start with though, before we even get into that, what was it about kind of this side of personal development and fulfillment that really intrigued you to want to go deep down this path? Was it more of a personal experience or was it you saw this working with clients? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, good question. It was a mix of both actually. So by way of my background coming from the strength and conditioning world and getting into sports rehab, that was partly the catalyst for me doing some deeper diving into this, into this space because when you're working with people on performance, like everything's good, you're helping to empower them in a way that's positive to a positive. When, <clears throat> when I was in sports rehab, I was working with people who were dealing with pain, overcoming injuries, but a lot of people who just had extremely high stressors and probably negative views of themselves and the, and the world and ultimately their belief systems. So that in that space, I was helping to, to hold their hands, in a, in a, so to speak, in a way to bring them from negative to neutral to positive. So a lot of, I won't go deep into science here, but uh, as, as you know, a lot of pain is 
I mean, it lives in the brain, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of pain presents itself because of like psychosocial somatic or because of psychosocial issues. So it's not necessarily that like, Hey, there's actually a tissue injury here. It's this person's stressed out and it's manifesting as some kind of pain in their body. So like when I started going down those rabbit holes, I was like, okay, well, one, in order for me to actually help this person, it's important I understand how to communicate with them. How can I meet them where they're at? What's going on in this person's head? What's the type of language I can use to better connect with them and so on. So that was kind of the catalyst that started that pathway for me. Mm -hmm. Additionally, in my personal life, I was going through some relational challenges, Mm -hmm. particularly in, in, in romantic interests with romantic interests. So it kind of like, you know, life is funny like that. We might be learning something, something totally unrelated to, well, what we, what we deem at the time as unrelated to what's going on in our personal lives. And we see, oh, wow, this is actually all encompassing. Then you it. look in the mirror and all of a sudden it's yeah. right back at you. <laughs> there it is. Right. So professionally, I started going down that path so I can better serve people and do my job and connect with people and help them out of pain. You know, one, one of my main drivers in life is to help lessen the suffering of others in whatever way that means. Mm-hmm. And that's evolved over time, how I do that. Uh, and then also, like I just said, it going down this path helped me better understand myself. It held up a mirror to me so I can better understand like, who am I in relation to this person I'm, I'm with that I'm dating or that I'm in, mm-hmm. in ro- romantic relationship with. And that goes to other relationships too. How am I in, who am I in relation to my family? Who am I in relation to my friends? So the, yeah, I guess to, to summarize that is it was both a professional endeavor, but also a personal endeavor and helping mm-hmm. me better understand the world uh, outside of, like I said, strength and conditioning is like positive, positive. And I, while, while I am a fan of positive thinking, that's only part of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. And if we only focus on positive thinking, then we're going to miss out on a whole lot of what else is there. And a lot of the benefit, a lot of the teachings that are currently, or that are always present. So when I started to get into the dark side, when I started going to the weeds and get into the crevices, that was really empowering. And it's scary, as you know, right? Like fucking frightening at times. However, that's where the real gold is. Right. Like what's in the light isn't always what's necessarily the answer or what's best for us. It's when we actually can dive into and when we can sort out and when we can face our fears and, and look inwards that we actually discover the potential for what's possible. Right. Wow. There's a, there's a few threads that I want to pull on that, which is mm-hmm. great. The, I'm, I'm going to come back to this, but I'm going to throw it right out there. That negative to neutral to positive is such an interesting insight, but the rehab side, when you were working with people and you said, it's not maybe a tissue issue going on in their body, but it's really a mindset type thing that is manifesting through that. Was that something that like, were they portraying that out or was that something that you saw like, wow, they're really not as injured as possible. So where's this coming? It's not like a structural issue. Something else is going on or was that that's something that they were kind of speaking out or was it a, they didn't know who they were if they were injured at that time and going through that. Great question and great examples. So yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> and I'll give you a couple of further examples. Someone comes in, they're presenting with some kind of neck or shoulder pain. 
And by way of communicating with them, talking to them about their lives, they're stressed out at work. They really don't see a lot of solutions like, oh, I have this job, but it's the thing that pays the bills. I don't know what else is available for me. I went and studied this thing. I'm not qualified for other things. Then they go on vacation. They're like, wow, my neck pain disappeared. My shoulder pain disappeared. But when I come back and return to my normal environment, whether it's my home environment or my work environment, the pain comes back. The presented pain comes back. Mm -hmm. But that's just an example of this perceived pain. It's the body sending a signal saying, hey, pay attention. Something's going on. Pay attention. And unfortunately, people choose, I mean, this person is seeking help, right? They came into the clinic to seek help. Good. That's definitely a move in the right direction. Mm -hmm. However, a lot of people don't have the tools to address these things and they choose to distract themselves. And that could be through a number of different pathways. It could be drinking drugs, socializing, other hedonistic uh, tendencies, or just pushing through it. Mm -hmm. Now, another common thing is like, oh, low back pain. The majority of people, the majority of people who have, who say they have low back pain, there really isn't something going on. And for, there's all sorts of studies out there for like, people won't have low back pain until they get a, a, a MRI or something like that. And then they're like, oh, wow, there's actually, you know, disc deterioration. Then they start getting low back pain. Almost everybody has some kind of disc deterioration in their back. Yes. Like that, it's common for a human being. This is yeah. going to happen. Yeah. Yet, I mean, if you look up uh, Dr. John Sarnos, he has some really amazing material on basically mindset over pain and helping people uh, heal from back pain through mm-hmm. just like meditation and self-talk and things like that. Anyways, the point is like, yeah, people will come in with all these different presentations of what they're perceiving. And it's actually not related to like, it's not like they have a weak core, although I've seen that diagnosis thrown out, thrown around mm-hmm. quite a bit. Like, right. It's, it's a very convenient term to just yes. throw out there. Oh yeah. Engage your core. More. Right. Like yeah. what the hell does that mean? It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it literally means nothing. So for anybody listening, if you're, if you go get checked out and someone's like, Oh, you need to engage your core. Well, you should probably go seek a second opinion. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny you said that because I remember this is just an anecdotal uh, experience I had once with a shoulder issue and it was a nagging thing going on forever. I was in a really stressful environment at the time and it just wouldn't go away till I actually went and got an MRI on the shoulder and it said that nothing was wrong. There was no structural issue. The, that next day, it felt better. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you get that, like, okay, there's nothing going on. There's nothing wrong. And naturally it just went away. So I knew it was a mindset thing that was going on in a stress that was throwing itself as a messenger into my shoulder. And yep. I said this before, it's like, if you've ever had those, you know, stressful times, maybe you need to have a crucial conversation with somebody and it sucks and you don't want to do it. And you really don't feel good at that time. Maybe you do get that neck pain, but then once you have it, it, literally feels like a weight's lifted off your shoulder. So like yes. emotions, they carry weight. And that's, you know, I think that's really what you're saying right here is like, it's that it's, you know, looking at what else is going on. It's not just laser scope into, you know, your pec or your shoulder or your knee. It's like, what else is going on in the environment? That's probably more so where the answer is coming from. Yes, that is spot on. Yeah. Emotions do carry weight. And unresolved emotions, unresolved feelings or unresolved challenges in life tend to carry more weight. Mm -hmm. So people might have this shoulder pain for years. They might have this neck pain for years or back pain for years because 
they're not actually getting to the crux of what's going on in their lives. They're not taking an honest look at themselves in the mirror, so to speak, mirror of life, everything we go through and look at is literally a mirror to us. Mm -hmm. They're not taking an honest look through the mirror and addressing what's going on. Right. So with that too, of going into a little bit of work with the dark side and shadow work, you know, you said it's the, um, you know, that negative to neutral to positive, which I'm going to ask you about in a second, but it is the, like, we think like there's so much positive culture, you know, it's that positive mindset, right? But in reality, I think especially, you know, it, it might be more of a male thing. I think it's probably the masculine energy, which is kind of block out the negative stuff and just focus on the positive. That can be just as toxic as anything. It's almost, it's that's, there's the term skeletons in the closet, right? It's, you're just throwing mm -hmm. those things into the closet. So the room looks neat and clean, but if you open up that door, it's all going to fucking come down into a, like a tidal wave and come out from there. So it's, um, I mean, do you think that that is a, is it just a cultural thing that it's like, just, you know, focus on the positive as much, or do you think this has just been something that's been around for, for really ever? And it's just not addressed as much. Having only lived in this culture for 35 years right now, I'm going to say it's cultural. Mm -hmm. However, I can't, you know, I, I also can't speak for other cultures as well, mm -hmm. but by way of Western culture and what we're led to believe through our upbringing from society, from our parents, from school and everything that we're indoctrinated with, I would say it's heavily emphasized in cultures like move forward, keep pushing, work mm -hmm. harder, get through it. Yep. And I, I really like that you brought up like that is the masculine side of that duality, the masculine feminine balance. Mm -hmm. Which for everybody listening, if you're not familiar with this, everybody has masculine side, everybody has a feminine side. This is divorced from the concept of male, female, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So I would say that's actually toxic masculinity right there is only focusing on the masculine and not giving any credence to or paying attention to your feminine side, which is more flow and ease and receiving and surrendering. Mm -hmm. So to, to answer your question, yeah, I would say it's that it's that masculine emphasis that's keeping us trapped. Mm -hmm. That's not allowing us to actually experience the full spectrum of humanity because what is humanity? It's a spectrum. It's all these emotions. We're on this massive spectrum here. And if we're only focusing on the negative to, or the, excuse me, the, the neutral to positive side, then all these seemingly negative things, anger, sorrow, frustration, guilt, shame, et cetera, then those things are being ignored. And we're missing the beauty of life because right. multifold is like, we actually experience contrast when we present, when, when we can address the, po the plus to the minus. If we're only focusing on the positive, there is no contrast. Mm. Life is definitely not as colorful. It's not as rich. We don't get to experience the depths of who we are and the depths of this unfolding, this constant unfolding of reality. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it goes back to the old yin and yang, right? I mean, that's, you know, that symbol has been around for, you know, thousands and thousands of years. And that term balance has always been a, a tough thing for me because, mm -hmm. you know, people say the work life balance all the time. Balance, I don't think is 50, 50, you know, it's like, I think it could be, you know, you're not going to work 50% of your life and you're going to be off. It's like a lot of times if you're, you know, if you have a, you know, aspiring career and stuff, you're probably going to work for periods of time for more than that. Or if you're starting a family, you're probably putting a lot more energy in that time if you have young kids and stuff. So it's not about time. I think it's, right. and balance is really about energy, right? It's the, it's balancing your masculine and you might be more of a masculine person, 
you know, a male or a ma- more masculine female, like it doesn't matter who you are, you just might have more of that energy. Right. But if you don't utilize that other energy in some area of release, then it's going to get suppressed. And that's where we have that imbalance and that toxic feeling. Yes. Right. So, so when you got into the shadow work, when you started seeing the negatives, was there a process that you did? Was it a, was it a journaling mm-hmm. practice? Was it a meditation? What was the steps like that you found that really worked for you? Yeah, that's another great question. You were just loaded with great questions per usual. It was journaling. That was the thing that ultimately started me down that path. It was one, it was like self-study. It was just reading books and and exploring those concepts of people who've done you know professional work and, and research on this stuff and had their own experiences. But ultimately for me, it was journaling because and for everybody I work with and even just friends, family members, people I talk to, I'm like, you should. I highly recommend, I invite you to journal this out, even people who don't have a journaling practice, because what journaling does is it allows us to organize our thoughts and it's deliberate. It's a slow practice. When we try to resolve things just in our head, we tend to fall into the same patterns that got us there because it's familiar, right? Like when it comes down to neuroplasticity, it's like a, the, the patterns that we have ingrained and then that we've gone over and over again, they're just so hardwired in that it becomes difficult to move outside of that. So when we go through something like adrenaline practice, we're actually able to bring in multiple senses, right? We're not just thinking about it. We're actually, there's the tactile, there's the visual. If we read it out loud, we bring in the, the auditory. We can bring in multiple senses to make sense of what's going on in our heads. And that gives us a much deeper and oftentimes alternate perspective about what's actually going on. So we can filter what's actually, oh, this is useful, this is not useful oh my gosh, I can't believe I've been thinking of this. Now that I'm reading it, I see this is not, there's no utility in this at all. I think it's actually foolish that I was thinking this. What's an alternative? So Mm. journaling was definitely a profound practice that I started that helped me really explore the the depths and some of the dark side Mm -hmm. and to be able to use it in a more powerful, helpful way. Journaling is, it's an interesting thing, right? Because it's, it's almost, there's no right way to do it, right? It's like, and I've seen it and I've had people ask me questions about it because I've talked about it a lot on, you know, different channels of, oh, like, how do you start this? Or like, what do you prompt? And when those questions come up, it's almost in my head, I was like, you're trying to bring masculine energy into the feminine energy, which Mm -hmm. a lot of times for, for journaling, for me, that's more of the feminine energy that I have. It's the flow, it's creativity. It's sometimes just asking questions and stuff. So did you start, was it, like kind of free writing that you had just kind of what like stream stream of conscious or did was there prompts that you used for journaling how was that kind of starting practice for you looking back I believe I had some prompts like I would put a question at the top of the page and then I would answer that question and then over time it would kind of just flow and I, I would experiment with different things like here let me write a reflection of the weekend or yesterday or then do some forward forward facing work of like, okay, like who do I want to become? What's in the future for me? Where am I moving towards? So on and so forth. So it was was a lot of exploration. I don't want to say trial and error because there's no errors in it. It's just finding out. Right. It's your mind. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So go ahead. When you read it, when you read it back, was it, was it something, what did you realize anything different? Was it more negative than you thought? Was it more kind of positive or neutral? Did it kind of shock you of what you were saying to yourself when you started reading that? There was definitely some shock, some, some surprises like in the moment. And then 
I also do like a, I, last night I was laying in bed reading journals from two years ago. And sometimes it's maybe a week later, sometimes it's a month later. There's no specific timeline that I can, I can say, but when we do some reflecting later on, we can actually see the patterns over periods of time of writing. And we can also see, okay, what are the gaps? What are the things I was missing out, missing out on? And at any given time, we're only able to work with the tools that we have, right? Right. And it's through that process we actually get to further develop more important tools or more helpful tools. And we see, okay, like I said, here's some gaps I was missing. Here's some things I wasn't addressing. And here's where I wasn't really being truthful with myself. So I think that that's the real beauty is sometimes things uncover themselves in the moment or the next day when you do some writing. Sometimes it's weeks later. Sometimes it's months later. Mm -hmm. And being able to, and this is why I recommend like keeping a journal, right? You know, this is the single spot where you have all of your entries in versus like, oh, I'm going to type on my computer or I'm going to write it on this like loose, you know, loose leaf piece of paper. And then who knows what happens to that. It's like when you have the single repository for all of your collected thoughts over a period of time, you can always look back. Oh, you know what I wrote about this thing just came up again. I wrote about it on this day. Let me go back and look for that and see if I can make some connections and bridge the gaps there. And maybe even just have that contrast of look how far I've come since then. Wow. Mm -hmm. Look how small my thinking was. Look how I approached this, this challenge in my life back then. I would approach it. I approach things very differently now. Wow. I appreciate how far I've come. I wonder if there's, if anybody who struggles with this practice, like, I mean, first, if it's something new, right, it's going to take some time to get comfortable with it. It's a new routine or it's a new practice, but I wonder if it's putting expectations on what you think you need to have or what you need to say. I found that in some journaling time years ago when I couldn't make it a routine, like I tried to do the journal, but it almost just felt like, you know, dear Mike, this is the day type stuff. And you're kind of waiting for the profound Shakespeare shit to come mm -hmm. out of your head. So you can look back and be like, wow, look at what I just created. When in reality, it's like, this is super boring. This is like bullshit, like nothing's going on. But then I remembered something from, I think it was Naval um, Rebekan who's talked that about med meditation. It's like, you need to clear the cobwebs out first. It's like, yeah, of course you're going to be thinking a lot when you first get into meditation. You're used to just thinking all the time. It's like, just get through those times. Then all of a sudden, a little bit of a clearing opens up and then you clear. It might be 10 seconds that you do. And I saw that a little bit from journaling. It's like you go through a bunch of pages, which just kind of feel like bullshit. And then all of a sudden, there's a thought that really inspires you and intrigues you from there. Did you have a similar experience at all when you were getting into this work? Yeah. And honestly, it still comes up sometimes. I'm like, I don't know what to write about today, but I'm just going to write. Mm -hmm. And that was definitely a hurdle in the beginning because it did feel like, you know, dear Tyler, blah, 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 blah. Okay. I'm like, okay, well, is this actually helpful? Like this just kind of feels like a waste of time. Mm -hmm. But I think it was also, that was me thinking that was also a sign of, okay, why, why am I trying to avoid this? What am I resisting here? Mm. Right. So that, that when I came to understand that, that helped open up so much more for me. And quick side note, I love that you just brought up Naval because before you mentioned him, I was thinking the same thing is like people come into this kind of work or this kind of practice rather, I shouldn't say work necessarily. People come to this kind of practice with certain expectations, right? Mm -hmm. so I'm supposed to have this like profound insight after maybe writing one journal or two or three or whatever. Same thing with meditation. A lot of people are like, Oh, I can't, I'm not good at meditating. I can't do it. Says who? 
it's people come into meditation with thinking, oh, well, I can't clear my mind. Who says you have to do that? There's so many different forms of meditation. Can you sit there and close your eyes for five minutes? Great. Think whatever you want. Let the thoughts flow. And I believe Naval says this too. He's like, you, you don't have to do anything specific. It's like, you can sit for a period of time and just let thoughts flow. And right. same with writing. Just sit, write for a predetermined amount of time if that helps you, maybe 15 minutes, and just write. There's no right or wrong. This is all for you. It's not like mom and dad are going to come find your journal and read it. You're not writing this so somebody else can filter through it and give you their, their opinion of you. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is just for you. Like, there's no right or wrong. You could literally just write gibberish, whatever's pouring out of your brain, which I highly encourage, actually. It's a great mm-hmm. practice. And, and just, that's it. That's it. The, the, the practice is to just do it. And mm-hmm. in time, it's going to develop in ways that you can't predict. Right. In ways that make sense for you. Do you think that it might be a challenge because it's really hard to quantify progress in this? It's like, it's like if you take strength training, you know, if you, you know, bench press 135 and then two weeks later you bench press 155, that is like, okay, I see the 20 pound increase on it. It's very easy to see that progress where going into the mind, it's, it's hard to like almost quantify it. Like maybe you feel a little bit more free and stuff, but that also takes some awareness as well. Do you think that it's just a, it's a more challenging practice to, I guess, know that you're making progress? Maybe that's why it's probably, you know, it's probably why eliminating the expectations is so important with it and to kind of stick to it. But I'm wondering if that might be where, if anybody's challenging with making it a routine, it's because it's not something that you can so easily see the progress from day to day. I had not considered that before. And that's a really great point. So I'd say for some people, yes. For the people, and this kind of goes back into the masculine and feminine energy right here, is if we're looking to make decisions based on data, then we want to have quantifiable metrics, right? Like, okay, I'm moving. I was here. Now I'm here. Now I'm here. I see where this is going. I can move forward. Versus more feminine energy is like, how am I feeling about this? And by way of that, people, a lot of people, I'm not saying everybody, I'm not even sure what a percentage might be for this, but a lot of people might repress what that feeling is versus like, Hey, I need, you're right. I need some kind of numbers in order for me to know I'm, right. I'm actually moving forward with this. Additionally, additionally, I would say people are hesitant to do it because it actually forces them to sit with themselves and be probably more honest with themselves than they are. Because here's the thing. Everybody's living in their heads. The only place we're ever living is in our heads. Our, our continuous waking experience, our conscious experience of life, we're always in our heads telling ourselves stories about what's happening in this reality, about who we think we are. We're filtering everything through our beliefs, through all these distortions, and then imprinting that upon the environment and the people around us. And we believe that so deeply, it's just a massive delusion at any given time. And this delusion often changes over time, the more we come to understand the world. And maybe if we actually do some practices like these. So I think that the hesitation is people are forced to actually sit themselves and their thoughts and get clear on things. And that's scary. And that's uncomfortable mm-hmm. because why wouldn't we want to just sit with the delusion thing, things that might actually be avoidant in nature, but might be more alluring because they're not uncomfortable. Mm. It's, I was t- talking to somebody about this the other day. I don't know if it was you. We'll avoid, we'll avoid acute, short-term 
discomfort for chronic long-term discomfort. We'll be uncomfortable for our whole lives because we don't want to do the work right now. Mm -hmm. right? We'll just drag it on and then we'll suffer for it. Maybe we'll get pain or we might lose relationships or our health deteriorates and we get disease or a whole host of things will happen. Because right. we don't want to do the work right now. We want to avoid that short-term sharp discomfort. Yeah. It's so tough. And it's interesting because that's, um, reminds me of a quote, I think it was from Kane Ramsey, who's, you know, big in the NLP world, who said like, you're, on, you're one decision away from completely changing your life at all time. It kind of goes on that same path right there is, we'll, we'll just suffer in the acute because this is what we know. Like maybe it might be painful, but you're familiar with that pain. So yeah. it's almost like the, it's, huh? it's the devil, you know, is better than the devil. I don't, it's like, don't be so sure about that because time's going to go, you know, quickly down the line and yeah. pain right now, it might be tough, but the same pain a year from now, that's going to be really tough. Down right. there. But still it's so challenging to take, to take that leap for a lot of people. Yes. People, human beings, human nature, we want to seek comfort and comfort might come disguised as familiarity. So that pain, that discomfort that we're, we're familiar with is the one that we're going to gravitate towards. We can't, like, we can't predict anything. We can't predict what's going to happen an hour from now, a day from now, a year from now. Yet we dilute it. And don't get me wrong. This isn't to say, hey, don't plan, on, don't plan for the future. Don't you know, get your ducks in a row. Don't make any changes to yourself. So you can try to change these outcomes for yourself. Try to move in a, a direction that you want. Not saying that whatsoever. However, we cannot predict anything. So what we'll do unconsciously is try to stick with that familiarity. Okay, cool. I know what this is. I'm going to stay in accordance and make these decisions in, based in my belief of what I think will happen or, or what I'm familiar with. Mm -hmm. So getting that shift to, hey, actually, I don't know what this practice is going to do what this change is going to do. This is going to bring me to an unfamiliar future. Wow. That's fucking scary. And this is all unconscious. People tend to try to avoid that because it's unfamiliar. It's unpredictable. Right. It's well, this is why I think of something like a journaling practice or something. And I love what you talked about with that with journaling, because then you can read it back mm -hmm. and cause you might be more of an auditory type, like, uh, you know, um, learner like when you're reading it back that might resonate with you more but it's getting all of these thoughts out of our head because it's like if we're worried about the future the future is not real right the future lives between our ears it's like there mm -hmm. actually is no such thing we only have this moment of going yep. on so it's getting these things out and just sitting with it and the more you do that like asking why am I fearful of this or what am I really curious about it's like or what am I worried about you're kind of putting yourself in an environment that you can explore this in it. And like, once you do that a little bit, then all of a sudden you want to go into that environment even more. But then the next thing I would think is that a lot of people maybe think with shadow work um, or like facing this dark side of us that you need to go into such this deep dive process all the time. And that can almost get just as addicting. Like a lot of people almost get, like you can feel this inner child and all that type of stuff that you can go down. And then you almost get addicted to exploring that so much. When do you think like, is it, is it better to do some shadow work in short increments? Is it better to do kind of something maybe like an immersive, like kind of deep dive for a bit and let it go kind of what's your thoughts on that? 
I would say for people who are new to exploring this, I'd say definitely start in short increments. Mm -hmm. Give yourself probably a timeline on this kind of stuff. Be aware of what this looks like in practice for your life. What is how, how you're going to integrate it into your life. And that's a big thing is integration. Should you feel called to, or you have an opportunity to, and you see an immersive opening for you, whether that's do, doing a retreat or working with somebody in particular, I highly encourage that. And if you're feeling resistance to that, ask yourself, why am I feeling resistance to this? And you bring up a good point too, is like, I know people, I've, I'm, I'm familiar with a lot of people who become addicted to this, who live in the space of like, you know, constantly healing and it's seductive, as odd as that sounds. Yeah. And, and that is also a delusion. It's like, okay, well, if you're constantly healing, what are you constantly healing from? If you're telling yourself, oh, I'm always healing, then what's the story you're telling yourself? You have to believe that you're hurt. You're constantly hurt. You're somebody that is in pain always. Well, that's not very, that, that doesn't help you out, right? That doesn't actually provide you with the conditions of which to live like a full life. Right. No, now you're just justifying why you feel this way. And you're right. like, oh, cool. I have a reason for this. Like, oh, okay. And then like, so you don't have to feel that anymore when you justify it. But then in reality, you're still not doing anything to get out of that pain. You're just look, you're looking it in the eye, but you're not trying to challenge it or tackle it. Exactly. So yeah, I'd say start small, start short. Mm-hmm. And then as you build up and you start to discover more about yourself, if you see something that's attractive to you, okay an immersive experience and you can afford it you can do it it's available i say definitely do that because there's a lot of great practitioners and there's a lot of great retreats and experiences out there that will give you a much deeper can provide you a much deeper and profound understanding of yourself by going through that whether it's like a one-day thing or a week-long thing or whatever it is because it's it's this container that was created to facilitate that that you're not going to get from just journaling by yourself necessarily. Right. Yeah. I'm sure those are, I mean, and those are important, you know, sometimes it is good to just dive into something like, I mean, as we're talking right now, I just came back from a pretty immersive physical training Mm -hmm. program in Chicago and it's always great to do that. However, if all I did was once a year, you go into that immersive and it's like, Oh, cool. I'm good with that. But then you don't practice anything the rest of the year, you know, it's like training. Yeah. You can work out really hard for three days in a row with somebody and you're going to feel awesome after that. But if you go the another 362 days and don't do shit, it's like, yeah, there's no practice after that. So it's more, it's the, the daily work just to kind of get yourself in that right, right mindset of Mm -hmm. it is, is the big thing. So, so if somebody was working with you and just kind of starting with this in their, you know, maybe they're curious about it, but don't know how to do it. Is Mm -hmm. there certain prompts or questions that you think they should ask themselves or you would ask first to kind of just start maybe getting this truck going in a little bit of momentum? Yeah. 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 There's depending on the person here, here's a, here's one I, I would definitely encourage people to do. It'd be like, okay, I want you to, or I'm going to invite you to spend 15 minutes a day for the next three to five days to a week. And just write down beliefs you have beliefs that you find empowering and beliefs that you, you're telling yourself that you know really aren't serving you that are creating that are creating curating your life in a way that's actually not empowering you that might be holding you back and when i tell people this like just just write them down we can you can share them with me if you want we can dive deeper into them but this is for you 
just write these things down and see what comes up as you're writing. You might've heard this quote before is like, we don't question the beliefs that we think are true. We question the beliefs that, that we're a little unsure of. There's yeah. something to that effect. Mm -hmm. um, but again, by way of bringing this to our awareness and just writing these things down. And it's something like a bunch of these might come all the, all of a sudden when you're doing this practice for 15 minutes or whatever, but some of them are going to pop up during the day. It's like, um, you know, cross the street and think about, wait, I believe that I better, you know, I better make a note of that I better write that down. Right. And just by going through the, with this initial step of awareness of the things that we're thinking, that's going to start to open up doors for alternatives, for other opportunities, for deeper insights. Mm -hmm. So I would say just getting into our beliefs and again, what we think we we know is going to really help facilitate the the path forward. That that word belief is interesting, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there there's some there's some barnacles a little bit on that word a little bit because it's when you start to think that, right? If you believe something wholeheartedly, you're probably living your life in a pattern of that. You know, you're putting things that you see through a filter of your own beliefs. But one of my favorite quotes are from Neil deGrasse Tyson about science is like, he said, it's the art of it is to know enough about a subject to think you're right, but not know enough to know that you're wrong. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's kind of the same thing. So beliefs are interesting. And that kind of gets into the whole topic of labels and identity, right? It's like, if you believe something wholeheartedly, then you identify with that. But I almost think that that could be just as challenging for somebody to combat, because if you identify as something you believe something wholeheartedly it could shut the doors out of other opportunities that could really bring yes. more life and more fulfillment you know into you so yes. it's like what do you think like is it is it good to have these deep beliefs or is it better to just kind of have a little bit more of that kind of open door policy into mm -hmm. your mind it depends <laughs> of it course depends. of yeah, course right? yeah <laughs> come on man i want all the answers <laughs> <laughs> so Beliefs can help give us some boundaries so we can operate within those boundaries and mm -hmm. navigate the day. However, for the reasons that you just mentioned of like, hey, beliefs are actually constraining us and preventing us from recognizing the abundance of opportunities available at any given time, then it's really not serving us in, in certain ways. So <clears throat> being able to approach our beliefs and develop this skill or develop this attitude of like, hey, you know what, I can actually question my beliefs at any given time then that is something that develops over a period of time and empowers us and can really empower us. Mm -hmm. It takes practice. It's going to be challenging in ways. Challenging doesn't mean bad. It's just going to be challenging. And once we start to curate that, that, uh, that attitude, then, then we can see anything in our lives. Like, actually, you know what? This belief has actually served me well. It's helping me deeper in my relationships. I feel like a better person with it. Cool. I'm going to stick with that belief. I've got this other one. It's actually constraining me. I see, you know, maybe my business isn't growing or I'm having a really hard time connecting with my romantic partner. Mm -hmm. This belief might not be serving me. Like what else is available? Why do I believe this? Is it something from my history? Is it from something from experience? Is it something I, I was taught as a child? Oh, cool. Then we can start to di dig into the, the root of that belief. Where did that come from? And then we can see, okay, it's not, it's not true. I've lived as if it were true with a lowercase t, but it's not true with a capital T. Mm. 
Yeah, it's that it's interesting with it because with belief too, if it goes into the kind of the realm of identity, like bringing it all the way back into what you're talking about with sports rehab, like you know where a lot of people in the physical world and athletes and you know you're in rehab all of a sudden if you only believe that you are this person if you're only a football player you're only a lacrosse player or a swimmer or whatever it is and then all of a sudden you can't do that anymore all of a sudden now the beliefs of who you are get challenged so to be more open to it of like and be you're much more than just what you are you're your good side you're your but you're also your negative thoughts you're your demons you're your you know you're your bullshit all that type of stuff and kind of embracing all of those different areas that's okay to do so it kind of brings it back to the yes. beginning of our conversation is like you know they're like you might know yeah i've done some bad shit in my life so i believe that i am capable of doing something bad because i've done it before Right. But it's almost it's if you do that, it almost allows you to then really make a good choice to not do that again. Then you can really actually grow and you can build good choices because you believe and you know in yourself that you can make that bad choice. And then you choose to do the latter. One thousand percent. Spot on. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, this is, I mean, it is it's such a fascinating thing because it's not something, especially in the strength and conditioning world and the physical that we we talk about and if you, if you don't tap into this side, at least in a little bit, like I said, you don't need to go into crazy immersives or go crazy deep dives on it, but just embrace it a little bit more. It's like, you know, and I'm sure you've probably seen it in your, in your career too, with people in the strength and conditioning, the nutrition side, like, Oh, I'm the type, I'm the type of person that does X, Y, Z. Yes. When it's kind of like, no, you're not like, you're, you're much more than that. It's like, do you get that? Do you get that a lot with like new people that you've worked with of like, they, Oh, yeah. There's almost like a self-limiting belief on themselves of oh, coming yeah. in. Uh, plenty of them. Layers and layers of self-limiting beliefs. Uh, yeah, I'm, that's a great one, too. It's like, I'm the type of person at this. Oh, I'm blank. Oh, I always blank. And it's like, well, what happens if you made a little switch? You said, I always used to blank. I was always blank. And you put it in past tense because then you have the power to tr- change things right now. You don't have to be that way. You may have operated that way before, or you may have had those beliefs before and that helped get you to where you are now, but may- maybe it's not serving you. Maybe it hasn't been serving you for a while. Yet, we are all self-fulfilling prophecies, right? We, we tell ourselves one thing and we're going to operate within the confines of those things. And we're not going to deviate from it because that's the, tr- that's the truth to us, right? That's what we believe in our heads. Oh, I'm blank. And this is, I won't go on a tangent for this, but... This is why I'm not a huge fan of all these personality type systems. Oh, I'm an ITNJ, blah, blah, blah. Or like, oh, yeah. Oh, I'm things. a D or I'm a D, I'm an I. Yeah. 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 The disc thing. Yeah. So I, I get the efficacy of them, how they can help you possibly like recognize some of your strengths and, and feed into those strengths so you can you know, operate at a higher level with your strengths. But then it negates everything else. Well, no, I'm, a, I'm an I, so I can't do D stuff, or I can't do S stuff, or I can't do C stuff. And you're missing mm-hmm. out on a whole lot for that. So mm-hmm. people really like put a lot of credence into these type of tests. But it's just more labels, right? That's all it is, is a label. And that label has certain characteristics. And those characteristics don't necessarily correlate to you. Like somebody made these tests up. These weren't, you know, right, they're man-made. <laughs> right, they're man-made. They're written, they're not written to our DNA. Like pretty much everything's made up. 
pretty much everything is made up. This whole waking reality, like, you know, oh, this is a coffee mug. Okay, well, maybe I've previously used it for coffee before, but could it be something else? I just associate it as a coffee mug, right? And this is, this is my, my way of like saying, there is opportunity everywhere. Mm-hmm. We have all these fossils of things that were invented and these ideas, these, these relics in our minds about the way, this is the way things are because that's what we've been told because that, that's what we've practiced as individuals for society. But it doesn't have to stop there. That's why there's opportunities literally everywhere at any given time, but we're blind to them because we've accepted these beliefs of this is that, this is that, this is that. And that's bullshit. It's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, everything there that will tell you something or a test is a reduced approach to say it's reductive to something like oh I'm this personality so you're going to be better at that yeah maybe in the culture of that it might it might be very comfortable for you but it doesn't mean that that's what's going to fulfill you the most it still comes back to the energy balance of it and and it seems like a lot of those tests are trying to just take a logical approach to an emotional problem because if you're taking a personality test unless it's for a job or something like that if you're trying to search for answers you're looking for something and it's mm-hmm. like, so when, when we're looking for something, we have an expectation about it, we're going to grasp to something really quick. And you can be more susceptible to something because we don't like those, we don't like those open, we don't like those open loops. We want to close it as quick as possible. Yes. That's a good point. Oh, yeah. So it's, it is. And I think that's where, you know, I mean, it's, it's great to have goals and stuff like, and uh, to have it, whether it's physical, mental, career, I mean, all that type of good stuff, but I think if we just reduce it down to just that, then you're missing the other energies that you have in this life that will really fulfill you to yes. a complete new level of getting in. So by just journaling it and just being like, does this resonate with me? Like these little questions, right? They can just, they have so much ammunition behind them that you mm-hmm. can get, but just putting that practice into play, all of a sudden, I think you can find a lot more about yourself and whether you're really living the joyful life that you're looking for. Yes. So good, man. It's if, if listeners, if you're feeling called to, or if you've taken these tests before, cool, like definitely check them out, see what resonates with you. But I encourage you also ask what else, mm-hmm. what else, yes. right? And this goes with taking these personality tests. This goes with your journaling. If you're reading your journaling, be like, okay, what else? See what else comes up for you. Yes. Because again, we're, we're viewing these things through these very limited focused lenses but if we're looking through lenses and we're only able to see this much of reality right here through this tunnel, then what else is going on out here? Can we take down those, those goggles, those lenses and see, oh, there is more. I can be more. I can learn. I can grow, right? That's, that's a, a gift of our human nature is we can grow. We can learn. We can discover. And if we're, if we're indoctrinated or if we're led to believe that this is all there is, this is who I am then yeah, that's going to be all, all you can be. That's going to be only who you are because you believe that. Right. That's the, that's pursuing mastery over progress right yes. there. It's like, you know, it's my, one of my favorite stories is, you know, from Kobe Bryant, you know, it's my favorite athlete of all time. And he had the line. It's like, when you, when you know what you're looking for and the pursuit of what you want, then the whole world becomes your library and you can feed from everything. And, he was one of those guys that he was reading about storytelling and about business, even when he was so deep into his MBA career. It's like people think, oh, he was just so funnel, tunnel focused on 
basketball like he was, but he was grabbing from other areas to build in that, which essentially built into other areas of his life. So, you, you know, you come as who you are, but embrace all of who you are. It's like all of these different energies and it can still serve you in your full pursuit, you know, of it. And you're going to get more from it from there. But, um, dude, I can't believe an hour just flew by in like two seconds. Has it been an hour? Yeah. So yeah, we're just flying through this. Um, brother, I, I really appreciate you taking the time as always. Um, I learned so much every time that we jump on and chat. And, uh, I know there was so much value from this conversation. I'm going to be listening back to it, you know, to get a lot. So I appreciate you, man. Appreciate you, man. I was enjoying our conversations just as well. I'm going to be listening back and taking notes on this. What I got no, from you. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, if listeners want to dive into more of your content, check out your podcast, like what's the best place that we can direct them? So yeah, as you mentioned earlier on, my, my podcast is called the School of Atypical Insights. It's now on Spotify and iTunes. So if you want to hear me interviewing some fun people on there, including Mike, check that out. Uh, your, your episode will be released in next week, I believe. And you can also find me on socials at Tyler James Wall or at contrastbydesign.com. Awesome, man. Love you, brother. Really appreciate it. Um, Listeners, thank you so much for connecting. If you want to check out Tyler, you know where to do so. I'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you like the show, please give it a five-star review, give it a thumbs up, all that good stuff. And if you want to get the inside scoop on all new episodes coming up, behind the scenes insights and free training resources, then you can join the Strength Connection private Facebook group now. Just go to Facebook groups, type in the Strength Connection and join in. Also, don't forget to subscribe. See you soon.